0: Igniting original content. You felt like you were really making a difference, the why wouldn't you
1: do that? You the biggest challenge you have is that You're going to have disruptions all the time. If you want something different, you have to be willing to do something different. You're listening to Forest FM, the salon business show with your host, Zoe Galil springer For your
0: industry, by your industry. Leadership, system instructors, marketing. The complexities of scaling a business. According to the Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs, known as the BDC or the Business Development Bank of Canada, there are more than 1.2 million businesses in Canada, 98% of which have less than 100 employees. Small and medium-sized companies contribute to over half of the country's GDP. But according to a Canadian statistics article published on Made in CA, of small businesses do not survive their first year. More than a third of small businesses are not optimistic about the future. And over 70% of Canadian small businesses fail because of management issues. Of course, that sounds grim. But you've also got plenty of SMEs who stand the test of time and overcome growth-related complexities. So what about their perception of the challenges faced is different to others? What differs in the actions they take? their willingness to stand strong in the face of adversity. Hoping to get some insight into these questions, I turned my attention to North Vancouver, British Columbia, where just last year, a group of community-driven, collaborative, dedicated and resilient dreamers with a bias for action were off to a retreat to celebrate the salon being in business for three decades.
1: We honestly truly believe that people don't leave companies, they leave leadership. And we actually believe most salons fail because of leadership. People want to know if they can trust you. They want to know if you care about them. And they want to know if you can help them. Because ultimately, our goal is to help people grow, both personally and professionally. And those are the three main things to do that with.
0: Zazu Salon and Academy, founded by Bruce Peters in 1992, has become a trusted and recognized business in the hairdressing industry. With a long lineage of hairdressers in his family, Bruce was born to continue the legacy and create a salon that would be known for its exceptional service and commitment to education. Over the years, Zazu has grown from a small 370 square feet salon to a flagship salon with over 50 employees across two locations, plus an academy. The team's dedication to providing outstanding customer service, fostering a positive and fun work environment, and giving back to the community has earned them numerous accolades, a loyal clientele, and quite a few awards, including winner of the Sustainability Award from North Shore Chamber of Commerce, Honorable Mention for Best Employer from North Shore Chamber of Commerce, finalist for Business Excellence from North American Hairdressing Awards, winner of the North Shore Reader's Choice Awards for Favorite Hair Salon five consecutive years, winner of the Business Excellence Award from Contessa National Hairdressing Competition, and winner of the Service Excellence Award from the North Shore Chamber of Commerce. That's not to say that they didn't face various challenges throughout their journey, but from the opening of the salon in 1992 to the expansion of their flagship salon in 2008, they've never been afraid to try new things, never shied away from learning, and have always strived to innovate and provide exceptional experiences for their clients. On the show with me today is Janine Cannon, Brand and Business Development Manager for Zazu. She has a background in business, marketing, and leadership, and has worked in the industry for over 15 years. Her core focus is on the growth of the business through hiring and creative marketing campaigns. Janine is particularly passionate about sharing tools and strategies to help foster a strong culture, grow the team both personally and professionally, and mentor future industry leaders. Her knowledge comes from her own experience, continued education, various coaches over the years, and attending conferences all over the world, including countries such as Ireland, Italy, Iceland, and Portugal. Janine believes in growing people and providing an exceptional experience for both external and internal guests, the clients, and the team. Her ultimate goal is to help elevate the industry and the communities she works in. She who joined Zazu in 2008 now joins me on Forest FM to discuss Zazu's various milestones over the last three decades, the challenges they encountered along the way, her insights on the company's growth, commitments made by the leadership team, and her take on how you can improve communication within the team and build a strong culture. Without any further wait, it's with great pleasure that I get to welcome Janine on Forest FM. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm delighted to have you here. Listen, the last time we saw each other was in January at the Salon Owner Summit 2023. So, yes. how have things been since then?
1: Oh, it's just been one thing after another. It's been busy, busy, <laughs> busy, honestly. But thank you so much for having me on here. It's super exciting. So. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, listen, the pleasure's all mine. And of course, Zazu's been in business for a significant amount of time now. You've been with the company for a while too. Yes,
1: I have for a long time.
0: <laughs> it seems like you, the salon, or both of you together have found a way to keep things fresh and interesting for everyone all the time.
1: We're always trying to do something new and keep it interesting. Go places like the Summit in Dublin and meet new people. It's so much fun. There's always something new going on.
0: Amazing! I love to hear it. So before we dive into today's topic, we're going to be talking about, you know, recruitment, retention, all the things you uh, you're doing at Zazu and also like your personal growth story within the company as well. Um, You know, like we often discover what works by experiencing what doesn't. And obviously Zazu has quite, you know, quite a story in itself um, going all the way back to 1992. So I guess to kick things off, I was wondering if we could cover some of the highlights or like milestones, right? Um, And discuss some of the challenges experienced at each of those times. How about we started in 1992 at the opening? (laughs) Yes,
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I obviously wasn't there for that part, but I do know of Bruce's story. So Bruce Peters is the owner of Zazu Salon and Academy. And yes, he started the salon in 1992. He comes from a long line of hairdressers. So his mom, his dad, his grandmother, they're all his aunt, cousin, you know, they're all hairstylists. So right. he says he was Born to be this, and he grew up crawling around on the salon floor and sweeping up hair. So that's why he's <laughs> continued the legacy.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: So, yes. And Zazu started as Zazu Hair Studio. It was 370 square feet and it had two employees himself and his business partner at the time. A couple years later, his business partner moved away, and he ended up becoming the sole owner. And uh, at the time when Zazu eventually did expand, there were eight employees working there. And they were, Bruce always says, they were literally crawling on top of each other. They (laughs) had no room. They They were were in that same space? (laughs) Yes, they were still in that same space. And that's when he knew it was time to expand. They were experiencing amazing profits at the time. Mm -hmm. And he's always had this vision of becoming a trusted, recognized household brand. And he's wanted to do that across Metro Vancouver and the Lower Mainland in British Columbia. And so to do that, it's to reach more people in our community and to grow into multi-location. Right. So that's when we opened up our flagship salon at much larger size. It was (laughs) 2,200 square feet. Huge jump. (laughs) It was a big jump with just eight employees that could have a space that could have over 50 employees. So um, it was a very brave move to do for sure. And that's when I joined the team. So that was in 2008.
0: So how, tell me a bit about, you know, how you joined, like, did you join the company like as a stylist or like what was?
1: No. So I actually at the time was going to business school and my interest in my major is in marketing. Mm-hmm. And I decided I was on, this was, you know, when we had dial up computers, I think still <laughs> Totally making, aging me, but I was oh, a baby it's aging when me I started. Too, don't worry. <laughs> so, but I remember sitting at this computer and I was on Craigslist, which was unheard of too at the time, looking at job uh, yeah. postings. And uh, I remember this ad specifically because it said, We love someone who wants to learn, is willing to adapt, and is willing to share their lunch. Okay. I was like, okay, (laughs) sure, I can share lunch. And I was like, that's kind of cool. I didn't really think about being able to be a receptionist or some kind of administrative position in a hair salon setting. I myself hadn't thought about that. I never thought I would grow into a position that I have now, uh, which is the brand and business development lead, um, Mm -hmm. through a business like this. I just didn't know what the opportunities were. So I actually got an interview in that original space, the little three hundred seventy five (laughs) square foot (laughs) space. Yeah.
0: So you understood why they needed to move.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, I definitely do.
0: Right. So in two thousand and eight, when Zazu moved um, spaces, like what would have been the biggest challenge to overcome was it to fill that space with more more people working in it so yes. to you know capitalize on the Yes
1: yeah, so we actually had quite a few challenges from that so first they'd never really had a full concierge team for instance so mm-hmm. learning how to train us that was where my position was and yeah. then they had way more apprentices and in addition to that they opened a spa with this location so spa was an area that bruce needed to turn to others for their expertise and it was a totally new area so Mm -hmm. it was learning that side of the business as well the different suppliers we need to work with different products Uh, the training is so different so that was definitely a challenge and then yes filling the spaces with more hairstylists (laughs) (laughs) finding the team
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which is funny because I feel like we're gonna be talking about that like be becoming a, a reoccurring challenge, like you know, in twenty twenty two. I guess right. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But um. But before we move on to twenty twenty two, um, and then the the next like big milestone that you had highlighted to me was in twenty fifteen. What happened then?
1: Yes. So from 2008 to 2015, that's where we really were focusing on the growth of the spa because the hair side, really, we already had it established. It had been working well for it since 1992. Mm -hmm. So we had an apprentice program at the time, which we've now developed to a whole new level from where it was then. So that's also a whole other learning curve. But we focused a lot of our attention on the growth of the spa because it really was never... Honestly, it wasn't super profitable. It was never very productive. Uh, We had a lot of issues with space and sound, like Mm. the satilist side of the salon was super loud and then the spa side had to be super quiet and the combination just never really worked for us. Yeah, that's
0: fair. It's tough.
1: Yeah. We actually did one last ditch attempt to create something new where we did our social spa where we decided to just blow out all the walls and just acknowledge the fact that it was loud and (laughs) (laughs) try it that way. (laughs) <laughs> and obviously,
0: that was expensive. Like, what, what were the reactions from uh, like the clients? Do you remember? Because that's like a pretty unique kind of concept. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, it was funny. Uh, we never, we didn't really lose any spa clients from it. They also, they came because it didn't bother them about the sp- the sound, uh, but. It, we were hoping it would help draw in more clients. Yeah. And also the issue was, too, our spa, because before it was behind such closed, heavy doors for soundproofing and walls, nobody yeah. knew it was there. They couldn't see it. So mm. we took out those walls so people could see directly in it. And everyone was like, oh, you have pedicures here? Or <laughs> you are? We oh <laughs> like, were like, yes, we've had it since 2008. <laughs> it, it's such a shame. And it's so hard, too, because it's such a different vibe than what estheticians are used to working in, especially massage yeah. therapists as well. Like they're used, to, you know, like part of their experience is the relaxation and the calm and the quiet. Mm-hmm. And for us, we're like, no, let's crank the music. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's when it was a really, really hard decision because we had some really loyal team members with us for a very long time and were top performers. However, we just could not, keep staff in the spa and we couldn't find good staff either for a very long time it just made hiring very very difficult and meanwhile on the other side this hair salon was just flourishing so we finally made the decision to close the spa because Uh we realized we what we were truly good at was hair and education with our apprenticeship program so that's when we decided to expand our academy and our advanced apprenticeship program and close down the spa
0: Wow. It's like I was saying, you know, like you discover what you're really good at and what works when you discover what doesn't work. (laughs) Yes.
1: So we know the spa doesn't work for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We have to leave that to other people who are way better at it than us. So. So then in
0: 2019, jumping up another four years, you were recognized locally and nationally for your community service, customer service and young talent with 50 plus employees. So like quite the quite the big shift from like 2008, eight employees to like over 50. How was that?
1: Those years were so after 2015, when we closed down, we did experience a dip. But then, a year, about a year after that, when we started growing the salon team, we just started seeing accelerated growth like the olds as you used to see. Mm-hmm. And that's when things like the awards for our community service and our customer service, those sorts of things started just happening, which was really, really amazing. And we obviously have been so honored to be recognized for things like that. Um, And especially when it came to the new talent, because we were so focused on enhancing our academy program for future talents. So that was that was amazing. But that there's a lot of team members at that point. And at that point, too, That was when we realized it was just myself, uh, Heather, who's our salon manager, and Bruce, the owner, Mm -hmm. and we realized we needed more support on the leadership team. (laughs) 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 So. Fair. It's it's so funny looking back at it now. I have no idea how we did anything because we have so much help now.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, but you're still here, and you've actually all of you guys have made it through COVID, which I'm sure yep. was another huge challenge in itself, yes. as it was for everyone. Yeah, um, you guys were closed for two months.
1: Yes, which we are. I mean, that was a hard two months and honestly, some of the other provinces that needed to be, cause we mm-hmm. were just in Toronto and we were just talking to people who were closed for over six. And I, I don't even know what that must've been like. It must've been so hard. And for us, it was just such a strange time because we've, we'd been through a lot of other hardships, like closing the spa. So we were like, okay, like we can, we can do this. We've done this before. We can handle this. But there was just so much uncertainty and lack of yeah. information and guesswork so but we decided no we're going to take this time to make sure we're prepared and make sure that we have as many protocols in place that we think we need to do based off the information we do have and we actually Mm -hmm. ended up sharing all our protocols with our community because we were one of the few that were ready to open the day we got the green light to open right so and we had our team trained and everything else so it was it was a challenge but you know what we got through it
0: (laughs) Wasn't that also the year that you opened uh, Zazu on
1: Lonsdale as well? Yes. It was, I guess we were just in the swing of the changes. So we decided to just keep going. Yeah. So in 2019, that was, we always refer to that as our golden year because we were basically same thing. We were crawling all over each other. We were ready to expand and we were going to be looking at expansion in basically the same time covid happened so that just put a huge halt to that but we were we mm-hmm. decided no we're not gonna let this halt it um and i mean there was just so much opportunity at that time because people were closing salons people were deciding to change careers there was a lot of changes going on in the industry yeah. so we were like you know what let's do it we've got the support we just <laughs> did this so we could do this <laughs>
0: Wow. That's, that's really impressive. Mm -hmm. Amazing that you got through it. Amazing that you opened another location. Um, and now like 2022, you were saying it was the hardest year for recruitment and retention. You've had, you've seen incremental growth at both locations. So I guess we're going to dive into the, the thick of the topic, I guess. Um, and I want to start by saying that like Zazo has been recognized for best employer, service excellence and sustainability and voted favorite hair salon for the past seven years in a row, which is like an insane <laughs> accomplishment, like so impressive. Oh, um, what principle do leaders or does the leadership team at Zazu, including yourself, live by? Is there one in particular that you all sort of kind of refer back to all the time or?
1: yes, and this is something when we're onboarding future leaders that we're always reminding everyone about. Um, I actually really like this quote, it's by Price Pritchett, he's kind of in change management and um, it's an organization can never be what its people are not. And so Mm. we honestly truly believe that people don't leave companies, they leave leadership. And we actually believe most salons fail because of leadership. So we always stand by three things that we know employees are looking for, and it's pretty straightforward, but sometimes it it's harder, it's easier said than done. So the three things we usually remind everyone about and that I'm always needing to remind myself about is people want to know if they can trust you, they want to know if you care about them, and they want to know if you can help them. Because ultimately mm. our goal is to help people grow both personally and professionally, and those are the three main things to do that with.
0: As you reflect on your journey of growth within Zazu, I'm, I'm curious to know more about your experience with the leadership team specifically. Like now that you're a part of that team, what was it that drew you to this path or what specific experiences or opportunities helped you see your potential and led you to decide to take on that kind of role?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. Yes, because I, I did have, there were leaders that had been at Zazu for some time mm-hmm. and they I always really appreciated because you could just see how much work they were doing. And I always like to be busy. And I remember just asking if I could do something and they were so happy to <laughs> give me things to do. And now I understand that because <laughs> when someone asks me if they can help, I'm like, yes, please. So, uh, and they, they just gave me opportunities, even though they, didn't know if I was able to do it. They just kind of took a chance with me. Mm-hmm. And I always, and they just kept giving me more and more opportunity to, to show them that I could help them. And also I, like Bruce, especially, he's been such a mentor to me because he, he always has, like he always will trust people first and he always wants to give them the opportunity. And so I've really taken on that same mentality for myself. Right. And uh, I just feel like that's the best way to help people grow is to let them kind of experiment and then fail and learn from there. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel that's very much the mentality of our leadership team. Like we're all about firing bullets. We always say like, to testing the waters and then we'll fire a cannonball if it works really well. <laughs> and I love that. I love b- being creative and I because I'm in marketing, I, I allowed me to be creative in my own way in an industry I find really interesting.
0: So in terms of like your leadership, like as in like you being on the leadership team, what are the top five commitments that you make to yourself and keep daily that you feel have like the biggest impact on your team?
1: Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so the five commitments that I make and keep to myself daily. I mean, one of the big ones for me especially um, that we, as the whole leadership team do, but I, for myself, mentoring other leaders Mm -hmm. is to make sure I'm very committed to our core values. And living and breathing those on a daily basis mm-hmm. and bringing that to people's awareness and holding people accountable to those. And uh, we always make sure, like, I'm always looking for people who are living those values, who, especially new applicants, too, we make sure we communicate those to people at, during the interview process yeah. so that we can find people who resonate with the same values that we have and then we're constantly reminding them just they're everywhere. They're <laughs> like communicated everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And then it's it makes deciding if someone is like able to grow with our company, if they show these core values all the time, then we know that this is the right fit for them. So yeah. I would suppose that's one of them. Uh, and then another huge one for me is taking care of self. Mm. I actually at Forest Summit, uh, Sophia Hilton actually got up there and talked about burnout and everything, and how that if you're burnt out, it can lead to toxicity in the workplace. And I actually really found that resonated with me big time, because it was more just the fact that other people in similar positions to me were feeling the exact same way, where at the time I was feeling alone in it for some reason. (laughs) And actually, after the Forest Summit, we went to New Orleans and went to the serious business conference that was there. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, another, um, she's called the Burnout Professor. And okay. <laughs> she, yeah. So she actually asked everyone to put their hands up and to ask who's feeling this way. And everyone did. And there was like a thousand people in the audience. Wow. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, it's just everyone was kind of stressing the point I found this year that leaders often give so much to help care for other people and forget to care for themselves. And then that leads to the burnout. So uh, I really found that that awareness has helped and bringing that back to the team has been great. And just knowing some little wellness tricks to help yourself, like getting out in nature, drinking Mm -hmm. water, practicing gratitude, that especially has helped me. So, yeah, a big one is um, always come from a place of curiosity.
0: Mm, I love that. Um,
1: I really like asking what questions. Versus why, Um, because it just helps you with that conversation, find out really what's going on with someone as opposed to coming across like you're basically accusing someone of something. Yeah. So, and then it allows you to hear both sides to the story to help yourself make a better decision. Yeah. Um, And that kind of leads to helping grow people for me. So, reminding us, just remembering that we're always in the business of helping grow others. So, and just making sure we're taking care of them. So, in a situation where you're like, what's going on here? How can we help? Like, just remembering to think that Mm way.
0: Yeah, and it can be hard, but it's it's a great skill to have.
1: It's hard. Honestly, it's hard. Like, you have to really... Uh, we've been working really hard on this as a leadership team and holding each other accountable to it, it when we're having conversations with people. Um, when we're giving, when we check in after and ask each other, how did we think mm-hmm. that go? How could we have done it better? Uh, we're often saying, well, I think like we needed to wait for this person to respond as opposed to giving them the solution and yeah. asking more of those what questions. So, yeah. So
0: you mentioned Sophia Hilton um, just just earlier in her episode from January and also like on stage, you know, she gave her own definition of toxicity in the workplace and highlighted some of the behaviors that as a leader, she believes, you know, she is responsible for. Yeah. Um, how, how, I guess, do you define toxicity in the workplace in Zazu? How do you self-evaluate your leadership and what's your approach if you do actually notice some problem? Behavior, say, um, going on.
1: Yes. Yes. uh, That's, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I really enjoyed her presentation because uh, some of the things, too, were things because she was basically sharing like how leaders can make an environment toxic, and it's just such Mm -hmm. good uh, reminders how a leader can affect the culture. And, uh, but also helps bring awareness to things that other team members might be doing that's contributing to that too. So um, one of the big ones that uh, she touched on was venting, like letting off steam. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, leaders can do it. Like I've done it, I've been guilty of it too, where um, you just need, you're frustrated and we're people too. And we just need to just get it out and try to figure it out and just letting it out in the office. But sometimes you don't realize how, basically negativity could be coming across when you leave the office with the rest of the team. So, and also it's not constructive. It's, it really right. isn't like, if you're not coming out of that without some kind of solution, then it's not, it's not effective.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh man, yeah.
1: yes. Right. Are we venting or are we <laughs> solving a problem? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so yeah, that was a big one. And for us on our team, uh, we always go back to our core values, and we uh, really um, we work with a, a coaching company called Lawrence and Co. and They have shared with us this um, talent assessment, um, and it's through something called strategies, and it's basically determining what who the A, B, C, and toxic A players are, mm-hmm. and it's based on evaluations on core values and productivity, and. Right. Often, if we're noticing behaviors that aren't contributing to our values, like one of our values, for instance, is fun, positive, professional, and a little bit weird. So, <laughs> someone, <laughs> nice. yeah, it. exactly. All <laughs> ours are a little quirky like that. But, uh, and then you know, another one's adaptive, engaged, and ready to roll. Like it's things like that. And if we're yeah. finding team members are being really resistant to a new change or. Whatever it is, like after we've discussed with them what's going on, because usually it's just fear-based, like people are scared of change a lot of the time, so you just need to be able to give them all the information. But after all that, if it's still not really working, it's kind of like, okay, we need to look back and see, is this person the right fit? Is this person happy here? Honestly, because at the end of the day, it comes down to people's happiness. And sometimes that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's with us. So. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I mean, the biggest challenge for us has always been those toxic A's where they're highly, highly productive. So you sort of ignore if they're not in line with your core values, because you're like, oh, they they really bring in a lot of revenue. And it's scary Mm -hmm. to think about letting someone go like that or one of those people leaving. But we've experienced over time that it's so worth it. They end up happier, we end up happier, and the rest of the team (laughs) ends up happier.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's say hypothetically speaking, and I'm not wishing this at all for you guys, obviously, but hypothetically speaking, let's say that next month or at some point in the future, you start noticing some toxic behavior in the salon. Mm -hmm. What would be your suggested steps to address the issue? Can you break it down into actionable steps?
1: Yeah, so we always take a coaching mentality because sometimes... Things are going on in people's people's lives where you don't—they don't even realize they're bringing it into the salon space, and it just needs to be brought to their awareness. So we always start with a conversation, asking those mm-hmm. "what" questions. And when after the initial conversation, we're still seeing those behaviors, that's when we'll have a little bit more serious of a conversation. We call them documents of conversation. It's not really a warning, but it's like it is written down just to indicate that we have had this conversation. It's more of a coaching right. session. And then we always make sure to set deadlines. That's the biggest thing I've learned is sometimes you have these conversations and they go down a rabbit hole and you kind of forget that you need to set realistic goals. And then when you don't see the behaviors change, you have to look back on yourself and think, (laughs) oh man, I didn't do that right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So
1: then if the behavior continues, that's when we would issue a formal warning. And then eventually if it's still goes on if it depends on how serious the situation is like we 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 believe yeah. in giving people a lot of chances we probably give people too many <laughs> <laughs> We've always led with our heart over our heads, so. Uh, but it yeah. definitely helped us make those decisions.
0: That's amazing. So obviously, like my understanding of all of this is that you've you you put a lot on like I mean a lot of focus and, and effort and work on building a strong culture. Um, how do you define culture for your staff? Like, say, I'm a new staff member coming in, um, joining the team. Like, how do you define that culture uh, to new people? And what are some of the top ways that you've seen your culture like? improve or flourish with the systems that you've been implementing
1: yes so so we have uh something called the guest experience wheel and Mm -hmm. so we have 12 different touch points in the guest experience but that is also included in uh team members potential new team members so with all of our marketing efforts for instance for hiring we make sure that we're sharing all of our core values so we like to show things that are fun, positive, and professional, and a little weird. <laughs> so it might be, you know, like we're sharing how we're out for, we do beers on Thursday nights with the team, or, you know, just things like that. Yeah. Um, other cool community events that we do, uh, community focused and globally minded is another one. So how we give back to our community, uh, what our environmental initiatives are, and mm-hmm. just make sure we share what kind of education we do on an ongoing basis so that when yeah. they come to us, and apply, they already have a feel of what we're all about. Uh, We just really want to make sure we're screaming our message from the rooftops, as we always say. (laughs) (laughs) So all of our marketing is consistent when we're doing that. And uh, and then with our onboarding process, we make sure we have all of the information about what our team expectations are, what our core values are, what is expected from the leadership team, how you can communicate with Mm -hmm. them. Just so everyone's super clear, during the interview process, what we're about. And we do a pretty thorough interview process. Like we do a phone interview. We do an in-person interview. They do a team interview. They do a job shadow. They do a skills assessment. So that it really gives the applicant a chance to interview us and decide as well if this is the right fit. But it allows the team to decide if they think they'd be a right fit too. So it really helps keep the culture strong because the whole team knows what we're looking for. In people, yeah, and in each other, really. Makes sense.
0: And do you find it difficult to keep that culture very similar from location to location?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was actually that's a really funny question because it's been interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I bet well, I like I genuinely am curious. I'm like, how does that work? Cuz like you can have all the things on paper, yes. but at the end of the day, like it's two different buildings with different people in them and like
1: Yes. So, yeah. Our second location is 1800 square feet, so it's nine chairs. So it has kind of like max capacity of 30 people that would work there uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to 60 or more at our other locations. So, it's just a smaller team. So, and it's much more, everyone can see more what's going on. Like there's less like areas to go around and see what's going on. So everybody kind of just knows everyone's conversations. Everybody (laughs) hears everything. Um, A lot of the team, actually one team member that works at that location now worked at the original one and always says that it reminds her a lot of the original Zazu, which is kind of cool. And even clients uh, have mentioned that, that have been with us since then too. So, but we do find... Yes, like we have all the same consistent checklist. We have the same all of the same onboarding material, all the same signage. We do social events that are all combined. We do team incentives across both locations. So that helps keep the similar culture, but there's definitely yeah. totally different vibes at each. Like it's it's very interesting, <laughs> but it's in a good way and I kind of love it. And I I kind of yeah. like We've kind of learned that you couldn't force the second one to be exactly like the first, but the fir- the second one yeah. wants to be, it's like the forgotten <laughs> second child or something we often joke about, but we're like, no, that's not the case at all. Like we, like, we just are wanting to foster like how this is going to work here and it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So we've needed to adapt to that as well.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I guess, you know how you were saying retention, there's a lot of recruitment and retention challenges in the industry still today. And yes, absolutely, they still are very real challenges for many businesses. Is that something you're still struggling with? I know it was a major issue back in 2022, mainly due to the knock-on effects of COVID and shutdowns and all that, but I'm curious to hear what you'd say is the biggest challenge you're facing right now. Yes.
1: Yes, so... Yeah, 2022 was the hardest year ever for hiring we've ever experienced. And we had never done so many hiring initiatives in our lives and had higher higher (laughs) hiring goals than we did. (laughs) But we actually managed to achieve it by the end of the year. So what we found is that we now have the staff and now we've come across our newest challenge, which isn't something new. It's something we've dealt with before, but it's productivity because in COVID we had all the capacity restrictions, we actually were still super productive with the team we had. So we were actually turning clients away at that time, which is really not what you want, but we had no more more space to have people and we wanted to make sure our current Mm -hmm. team was happy. So what we've now found that we have the availability is we're needing to focus big time on client acquisition again. And a lot of it is also to do with the change in consumer behavior where we've found and we've been hearing feedback again and again from various people across the industry all over the world uh, that client frequency has changed quite a lot. So people are stretching their appointment times out. They might be doing a little touch up themselves at home in between to stretch it out that little bit further.
0: (laughs) I don't feel called out at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, right? But it's because we all learned how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and yes, yeah. yeah, so it's now needing to pivot to that. Like that's and you know, and where a stylist once upon a time like could have 250 recurring clients that came back super loyal and they still have them, but because they've extended how lo- how many times they come in a year, now we need almost mm-hmm. double that. So you almost need to see more people. So now we're yeah. our new focus is on new client acquisition, but the biggest thing for us is more the retention side because you can spend a lot of money on acquiring new clients, but it's so much cheaper when you retain them. So that's yeah. our big focus, and so the biggest thing too is on the guest experience. So we have to be doing something different than what the other guys doing down the street because why? What? Uh, why else would they choose us? Right? So. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So would you have any advice um, for other leaders or other people in marketing, say like leaders trying to get their voices, I guess, and messages like heard and actioned by, say, the team and on the flip side, same question, like, do you have any advice, um, from like a marketing perspective to cut through the noise and like actually reach your clients or like potential clients? Cause at the end of the day, it's like, that's the same, it's the same issue, right? It's like cutting through the noise and like actually being heard. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, yes. Okay. So advice for leaders, for future leaders. My biggest advice would be repetition, repetition, repetition. <laughs> if you honestly, if you think you've re- you've repeated yourself enough times, do it five more times. Like it's it's <laughs> yeah, until people start rolling their eyes at you. <laughs> and just constantly ask, like like if we're launching a promotion, what's the current promotion? And ask them to repeat it to you, and uh, make sure that everyone's able to recite it. Um, I found just eating lunch in the staff room is Mm. an opportunity for people to ask you questions and clarify things without feeling like it's like a serious conversation or something.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And just ask how they're feeling about it all the time, because the team is the one that's really the people who are communicating it to guests and they know if it's working or not. So you have to be able to pivot and adapt and just be okay with your idea maybe not being the best idea <laughs> and <laughs> adapting yeah. it from there. Um, and then also we've really found if you find those cheerleaders on the team who are super into it, uh, get them on board and get them under clear understanding and they're going to help you do the work for you, honestly. like They're the ones that are kind of like the change champions, mm-hmm. so that helps a lot. And when we say repetition as well, we have something that we call our trifecta. So we have three modes of communication now. So we do things through Slack. We do yep. things in a daily huddle and we have posts on the cork boards because different team members need to be communicated in different ways and it helps with the repetition. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: It's actually, it, it's so interesting you say that because I was reading an article, um, just the other day and it was, uh, a leader of some some company i can't actually remember what what industry at all but um he was saying like one of the main skills that a leader needs to like really hone in on nowadays is the capacity to adapt how you communicate because everyone receives information yes. so differently yes. um yeah
1: and we're constantly we've we've adapted so much of our communication channels and over the years because we we find that we need to do well, we have to do one-on-ones monthly mm-hmm. because even if throughout the month there's a lot of communication going on and we need to be able to summarize it and have it somewhere for the team to refer to when they need to. Yeah, And we just find in-person is one of the stronger ways and sometimes it's hard to do because if you have a team of over 60 people, that's a lot of people to try and <laughs> speak yep. with. Definitely. So- <laughs> So yeah, it's hard for sure, but we always, yeah, communicate at nauseum is what we always say to each other. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. So then the second part of my question was like, mm-hmm. how do you cut through the noise as someone who's doing marketing, say for a salon or a spa and trying to reach like that, you know, get that, that those client acquisition numbers? Up?
1: Yes. So that actually was another big point at the Forest Summit that came up, um, I can't remember what his name was. He was from uh, Germany, though, and he showed how... Dennis Van Lerup. Yes, that's right. So he was showing how uh, all job posts for hairstylist jobs look exactly the same (laughs) and uh yes and when you scroll through we also have a hairstylist hiring forum that is exactly the same as the one he showed and you scroll through on facebook and they all look exactly the same it's like how is a new applicant supposed to distinguish you from someone else and uh we decided to do a meme campaign because we were like you know what you're right we need to we need to stand out somehow, and that, and it was hilarious. with your
0: values too.
1: It does. You know, we're a little weird, <laughs> and it's <laughs> so we tried everything. We had, you know, photos of a memes like "Want to join us for Thursday night beers?" and it was three of our team members at Oktoberfest drinking out of those huge pints. <laughs> so myself nice. included. So yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. It was hilarious, the reaction. We, 50% of people absolutely hated it. <laughs> wow. But you know what? 50% of people loved it. And every applicant we got in, this was back in the summer last year, and yeah. they someone mentioned it. Like, it was seen. So, we're kind of like, you know what? Don't worry about looking stupid or looking like it doesn't make any sense. Like, you kind of want people to be uncertain about what you're doing because they pay attention to it. Yeah. So. And same with uh, finding new clients. We don't want to do what other ads are doing to try and find people. Um, We're actually doing a campaign right now where uh, if people refer a friend, Mm -hmm. we are planting a tree for every new client that comes in. And we're just finding that people like just love the idea of giving back in that way. Um, And it just kind of helps with that emotional side of things (laughs) too. So but it just is in alignment with our values too with giving back to the environment and yeah. so it's just a really cool thing but and i mean just doing crazy things around the community like we did a shears contest where we bought these giant halloween scissors and strung <laughs> them up on, <laughs> strung them up on telephone poles oh <laughs> and, my god i yeah, love it the, I cannot believe the increase in viewership and the interest around the community that happened and other businesses in our community started doing it. But I, I will say, we, you do get phone calls from bylaw officers. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> but again, oh. you know, you got to try it. That's firing a bullet. <laughs> Yeah.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Janine, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I have a final question before we wrap up. If you had to sum up what you spoke about with me during this conversation, what future is your brand message inviting people to participate in?
1: Well, I mean, our brand message is creating exceptional experiences and we want people to leave knowing that they're going to have fabulous hair, feel like they know how to take care of it when they get home and that they've Mm -hmm. learned something and that our team has made them feel special and that they know they have somewhere they can come and they can trust. And that's what we want. We want to become a trusted, recognized household brand. And our goal is to open 10 locations in the next 10 years. And we want to be able to provide those experiences to a larger community.
0: 10 in 10 years, what an incredible goal. I love the ambition. By the way, you mentioned earlier that you aspire to be a mentor to future leaders. If any of our listeners want to reach out to you for a chat or anything else, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Yes, I do have my Instagram page that you can connect to me with. It's at beauty.industry.expert and or you can connect with us um, at Zazu Salon and Academy. Either way, you can reach me or my email, which is janine at zazzy.ca.
0: Amazing. Well, hopefully, also this might even help for your recruitment too. Who knows? Maybe exactly. someone listening will be like, you know what? I want to work there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> give me an email. I'd love to meet you. Amazing,
0: Janine. <laughs> this has been so fun. Um, definitely, you know, I can see like the the core values coming through even just the conversation. Um, you know, we've we've had quite a few laughs throughout. It's been it's been a really really nice time, and I appreciate the time also. You know that you've you've taken out of your day to do this. So thank you so much for uh, for joining me on Forest FM.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was fun.
0: I'm glad you thought so. Amazing. Well, we'll talk (laughs) soon, I'm sure. And uh, until then, good luck on, uh, you know, itching towards that 10 and 10.
1: Yes, thank you. (laughs) We'll need it. (laughs)
0: In an interesting take on developing employees, a 2019 article by author Steve Glaveski suggests that companies go wrong with learning and development when, one, employees are learning for the wrong reasons, so signaling their worth rather than focusing on the business impact. Two, employees learn at the wrong time, so meaning on a schedule with little relevancy to their role and current needs. Three, employees learn the wrong things, misalignment with needs. And four, opportunity to apply the learnings comes too late. But the thing is, given the opportunity, people want to learn the business. Provided the education, people can learn the business. Given the trust, people will make the right decisions for the business. Given the respect, people will contribute to the success of the business. So for leaders to keep their people loyal and help the business stay competitive, we must rethink the growth and development and tailor curriculums and approaches to the specific needs of both the business and its people. Describing their education as the cornerstone of their success, Zazu Academy's curriculum includes both precision and creative cutting, a wide range of styling techniques, advanced coloring and chemical texture services. And as you've heard throughout this conversation, they're obviously also very keen on attending conferences, you know, all that continuous learning. You can also find Zazu's leadership team presenting on topics such as staff retention and recruitment at industry trade shows and events like ESI, Esthetic Spa International Conference. But, you know, for any and all questions, you can reach out to them at academy at Thanks for listening to Forest FM. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. As always, you can head over to Forest.com forward slash FM to catch all the latest from the show and check out the links and resources mentioned throughout the episode. And if you've got any feedback, be sure to let us know. Send us an email at ForestFMForest.com. At Brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Forest FM episodes air weekly, sharing inspiring stories from the salon floor and amplifying community voices all over the globe. In your salon, we're at the heart of it. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments.